Hello and welcome to BWB, that is Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Ori, and alongside me is my co-host Pippa Sturt. Hi Andy. There's a much slower intro than normal. Yeah, and I'm uh, slightly disturbed by your unenthusiastic reply. Hi Andy. Thank you. And today we're joined by Amy Poon, founder of Poons London. Hello Amy, welcome to the podcast. Hello Andy. So uh, tell us about Poons London. What is Poons, Poons London? London. Um, where is it? Where is it? We are based in Mission Kitchen, which is this fantastic co-working kitchen space. It's kind of like a WeWorks, but for kitchens. So you can have a, a hot desk, which would be, you know, you rent a kitchen unit. For literally a, a hot desk. Literally a hot desk. You know how we were kind of talking about dark kitchens? Uh, but this is a light kitchen. This so is it's a the light kitchen. opposite of a dark kitchen. It is floor-to-ceiling windows. The guy who conceived it is a very clever chap called Charlie Gent, who is genius, and he's created this wonderful space. And so you've got private kitchens in there, hot desk kitchens, and you've got some office spaces. A hot spaces. desk kitchen sounds like an insane thing. Where is it, it in London, though? It's in the middle of um, New Covent Garden Market. Oh, so uh, where, right in the thick of it. And New Covent Garden Market is in Covent Garden, yeah? Vauxhall. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Old yeah. Covent Garden is Old Covent Garden. I know, that's what I'm just clarifying. They've been confusing. It's like our other offices in Slough, we really feel like that needs to be called New Windsor. Anyway. Yeah, um, that's never going to take off. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Do you not know think? Well, Slough's <laughs> never going to take off full stop. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, okay, so you're in this this space. So what, can I come in as a customer and, and, and well, buy? Well, you could come in if I, if I registered you as a guest, you know, if I right. invited you. How do you sell your so produce? So our produce, so we, we, we make two things um, broadly. We, we, make uh, a fresh one-ton product, um, which are the little dumplings under a brand called One Tonneria, you know, like Pizzeria or Gelateria. One Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well done. And those are made once a week and they're delivered directly to consumers. And uh, fresh and cooked? Fresh, no, 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 fresh and raw. So you only have to boil them, you know, like tortellini. So if you can't Ooh. do that, you really don't deserve to eat, right? Is it crispy pasta. wonton? No, no, no. no boiling, no. boiling. Oh, boiling, boiling. Is that the better way to do it, is it? Or? It's a different thing. Which country's cuisine is that? Is that a Chinese? It's Chinese. Yeah. It's, uh, well, the Shanghainese make a, a wonton, but these ones are Cantonese okay. um, wontons. And they are filled with fresh, happy pig pork. Happy baked pork. The pork happy was pig. happy. No, it was a happy pig before it became my wonton. And, and then they're delivered, you know, directly to the consumer. And then we produce sauces. So we launched a sauce range um, at the end of last year, which was part of the original grand plan that I had when I first met Pippa that got sort of shelved because we got too busy kind of trying to running a restaurant. Yes, exactly. So we have this amazing soy sauce that's produced for us in Taiwan in the mm. south in a place called Kaohsiung, which is an area that has very fertile soil and is is you know, has very clement weather and they produce the most amazing fruit. I mean, honestly, the best pomelo I have ever eaten in my entire life came from Kaohsiung. The best, which one? Pomelo. Pomelo. And that's the uh, slightly spiky thing, isn't it? No, or? that's a durian. Ah. So this is a big, round yellow. It's the yellow. It's a kind of cross between a grapefruit and I suppose an orange, but not really. It's, a, it's, it's, one, it's one of the original citrus fruits, but they are delicious. And... Um, so they make our soy sauce for us and they, they, so most soy sauce is commercially produced soy sauce is made from the husk of the bean after you've extracted the oil, mm -hmm. the soybean oil. And it's pressed several times, quite watered down and doesn't really have very much taste. And that is what is commonly available, I think, in this country, certainly at supermarket mm. level. But, um, People forget that soy sauce comes from a bean. So, you know, what you want from the bean is for it to taste beany. 
yeah. want a better word. Um, so our producer, um, they work with their local farmers and they sow their beans in September and they harvest in December and then they don't grow beans on that soil for the rest of the year. So it's not depleted in any way. And then they basically freeze the beans and they press to order. And they use a really, well, first of all, it's a, it's a you know, non-GMO bean and they use an old traditional fermentation process to make the soy sauce. So it's like making beer. You need some wheat in it for the fermentation process. Mm-hmm. And they still dry the beans and ferment the beans in these old casks, sort of um, earthenware jars. In oh, Wow, it's like garum or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, there's no chemical acceleration. There's no sort of, you know, fake catalyst that goes in there. So it's a very... Which you normally do what to make it ferment quicker or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Right? You know, speed everything up, right? You can mm. do that. I mean, soy is fermented, so has it got alcohol in it? No. No, it's it's a, a, a bacteria they introduce. It's right. called a koji. And then it's kind of eat away at the wheat and, you know... I mean, it's, I assume it's light and day, the comparison between supermarket... I sort of brought you some um, pipas. And you have some? You have some. I think I've got some somewhere. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if, yeah. if I if I give it to people in a blind tasting and I, and I sort of line up little teaspoons, I go, try this, try this, try this. There is a eureka moment. They go, oh my God. We probably, you know, generally, we probably don't appreciate what soy sauce is supposed to taste like because we've just been, you know, kind of... Well, exactly. But, you know, I mean, my equivalent sort of example is something like olive oil. So when I was a child, the only place to buy olive oil was in the chemist in a sort of jar that big for, for earache. It was probably rancid. And nowadays, it's, you know, you want to know if it's Greek or Italian or Spanish and, you know, if it's um, cold-pressed or if it's, you know, extra virgin. Or, or honey. Or, or yes, yeah, exactly. Or honey. Or, or, you know, you want to know what the, 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 the varietal of olive is, you know, it's an abacino olive oil or, or, you know, whatever. So, um, but nobody's done that sort of education with soy sauce. And it's such an important part of Chinese cooking. And it's something I've sort of felt quite strongly about for a very long time. Where did this all start? What was your first job? My first real job as in paid and yeah, like contracted job. and stuff. I guess you worked in the kitchen first for free, did you, from family? Or? No, not allowed in the kitchen because it was a, a professional space. It was it was high octane, dangerous, noisy, Knives. Hot. Yeah, knives, but the wok burners. I mean, they were like, you know, jet sort of, you know, fuel powered. So my first job was from first. My very first job when I was teeny tiny was just sit in the clay room and, and take Aww. people's coats and give them a little ticket. And then I'd... Oh, you would have been super cute. That would have been the super cute, the little girl in the cloakroom. Yeah, um, really but my first real job um, was in Tokyo working for an ad agency um, called DDB. You speak Japanese? I did my degree in Japanese. Okay. Um, right. Don't really speak anymore because I've forgotten it. Right. Um, it's, if you don't keep using a language, it's it so easy to so easy yeah. to go. So that was my first job. They say with Japanese, you, the, you know, it's 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 not how, what you say; it's how you say it. That the cultural that, that you you know, if you learn you learn Japanese in England and then went and worked in Tokyo, did you? It, uh, yeah, so, working in Japanese doing sales. That that's almost um, not sales. But I was sort of in the camp management. Oh, so you know, prostitute in a suit, um, and. Um, <laughs> Throwaway line there. We've all been there. We've all been there. I am there. there. Every day. I am, I mean, pretty much. One of my dad's lines is, look, I'm a prostitute. You know, when you ask, because it's basically you pay my time and I'll do what you tell me, you know, it's like. Anything at all. Anything. Well, as long as it's legal. I don't know if that's the same for a prostitute, probably. You know, there must be some lines drawn, you know. So, um, yeah, I I, uh, worked there. Um, Well, I did my, well, we had Japanese language tutors. And at Oxford, because they are so bad at teaching, you know, beginners, mm-hmm. they ship you off to Sheffield for the first year. 
So you did two times in Sheffield, and you did a term in Japan. Oh, you did it at Oxford. Okay, yeah. wow. And then you you um, do a term in Japan, living with a Japanese host family. And, and that's you know, when your that's language you skills learn, really you know, go to... Well, exactly, you know, sort of necessity being the mother of invention and all yeah. that, you know, when you've run out of... They're people frowning at you for and, six and months. And you're, you're in your bedroom, you know... And you've been in your bedroom for three hours trying to work out how to say politely, could you please show me how to wash, use the washing machine and may I use it, please? Yes. You know, and you don't want to be rude and you're like, oh, it's like... I haven't eaten for five days. What's the Japanese for toast? <laughs> so, yeah, that's when, you know, language took off. And then you do two years and then do a year out. Okay. Okay, very good. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, that's a mad start to your career. And then where did you go after that? So I stayed in Tokyo for four years um, and I joined... You like Tokyo? It was a fun, mad place at the time. I mean, the bubble had burst, right? We spent a long time chanting, bring back the bubble. You know? what, did, what bubble? What bubble? Well, it was you know, early 90s, the Japanese bubble. I mean, there was a time in Japan where you could make money breathing. What would you say your biggest fuck-up to date has been? And you can have three if you wish. What have you learned from it? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I kind of think I do a bit of fucking up every day, so it's a cumulative, right? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. You've done a huge range of things like Petit Philippe or, the, the you know, opening um, a champagne bar in Singapore or something or the light red light. But the, any of these guys, I mean, there must have been some uh, chaos uh, from a red light district champagne bar. But there's always chaos bar. and that's half the fun, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. 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 It's a variety. Um, you know, I, I've had various sort of business partnerships not go terribly well and I had to exit from those. And at the time, they do feel like the most almighty fuck-ups, but you know what? Yeah, You'll recover. it feels like the end of the world. Right? You, it, it sounds so corny, but you know, this too will pass. And so it's, at the time, it just feels like the world collapsing and then you've realised you survived and it's not such a big deal and you're not That's that important bad. and nothing you've done is that important and so let's just get on with it. But like I said, you know, a few business partnerships haven't worked out. And that's given me a different sort of perspective on business partnerships, which is I've always, well, since then, anyway, I've maintained that actually finding a business partner is actually harder than finding a husband or a wife or, you know, a some civil. To that. Certainly, I mean, sometimes some people have tried to build a Tinder of business partners. I, I've met people, you know, because um, it's, it, it, I regularly work with someone and, and, and you need those different personalities. So you have, you know, the crazy entrepreneur and you think, fuck, they need like that person behind them who's just organized operational and they're if you get a pair that are together sometimes you meet them and the moment you're in the room one of them is silent they don't talk the other is just like blah 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 blah, blah. and the other one's like and you're like oh they've got they've got that thing this this might work do you mm. know what i mean but it's not just that i mean obviously you know in any organization you have to hire everybody's got complementing you know, complementary skills or clashing skills, depending how you look at it. But. Well, yeah, I suppose. But then it's that weird thing, I think, with with partnerships, particularly around money, because it's oh, such yes. a weird thing, right? Mm. So ten we're shit to talk about it. Yeah, we're shit at talking about it. Also, the way we value money individually has so much to do with our upbringing and how we know your attitude to money, apparently, is already embedded by the age of five. Wow. You know, and so, so what £10 is worth to me is very likely not, same as what £10 would be worth to you. Yeah. So okay. that then makes everything very murky and, and that's what makes but it But there are all those kind of businesses and I was sitting next to somebody at a lunch the other day whose husband had just done it where they, it's almost like an accelerator where they'll take on a load of people who don't necessarily have ideas and they pair them up and then say, you know, basically go off and have an entrepreneurial idea and, you know, start a business together. And what they're trying to do there really is to take people who want to be entrepreneurs and connect them with somebody else so that they're, you know, working in a 
working as a team together. You find someone who doesn't have ideas and someone who but does have ideas. But it's amazing how often it doesn't, it just doesn't work, you know, because they, they go off all excited and everything. And then the first bump in the road, somebody gets pissed off with somebody and there's not enough of a relationship there yeah. to keep them doing it. Actually, that's a rule I learned in friendships that sometimes you meet, especially as you get older, but um, when you were younger, sometimes you meet and become very good friends very quickly and then something small would happen and the trust and you'd hate, you know, you'd fall out and you think, God, that's interesting because someone I've, you know, managed to sort of have, you know, maybe a less intense friendship for years. You get, you, you build this foundation, as you say, that a cock up isn't, you know, the end and of the world. And there's maybe not so much riding on it if you don't, if you go all in on something and get totally immersed with somebody else in something, it's very easy to start hating them quite quickly. Is Poon Kitchen a good way to make money? Does it make a lot of money? Or? I don't know, we don't make a bean. Not now, but we will. The, the aim is to build it up as what, a sort of delivery product? No, or is this a um, frozen the aim product? is to build it up into a food-led and food-related lifestyle brand. Okay. Um, now, and that's been a, that's a little bit of a pivot from the original plan. And that's the other thing I think is, is everyone talks about, you know, pivot, that's, I hate that word. But, um, you know. Better than disruptive, at least you haven't said that yet. Oh, I don't know. I think I might prefer disruptive. I quite like being disruptive. I've got to pivot into the disruptive. In a disruptive business. way, exactly. Yeah. So will you do smoothly. like um, crockery? And- yeah, so so I always said I won't do much, you know, so I'm not going to get make baseball caps and T-shirts because you don't mm-hmm. need those things to cook with. But there isn't any, as far as I know and I have looked, there isn't any sort of premium or even half-decent Chinese brand out there that's readily available. So on the food front, of course, you've got, you know, Lee Kum Kee and you've got... Supermarket brands, you've got Blue Dragon. What else is there? Well, the the one I keep buying at the moment is Itsu's frozen dumpling selection. They're fucking good. I'm sorry to say that. I mean, the brand said it all, but yeah, you know. To be fair, my nieces eat that. Oh my God, they're good. They do them in these bags. We, we we make, at the moment, this fresh wonton, and a lot of people have said to me, will you make them frozen? And I'm like, no, because they taste different and they little And my mother keeps telling me, darling, it's business. You know, you mustn't and get your own probably don't, well, they, But the they convenience. probably don't boil the same, right? No, of course they But then then frozen, you know. Also, also, there's a problem with delivery. Oh, my God. I'm like the delivery expert, by the way. I've eaten so much delivery food. But dumplings don't travel well. Whether they be crispy or boiled, they just sort of turn Well, up. that's precisely why we do them raw. So you have to, you know, you take you them home, them and you cook them home, and it takes you five minutes. But where, 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 how do I buy them? In the supermarket? Or no, I... so at the moment, you have to you have to order on our website. Okay, but and you the deliver, idea... and they're, how long and they're do they fresh. last fresh? Um, we recommend that, you know, you refrigerate immediately, and then you can see them within 24 hours. But you can keep them for three days. But you know the pastries. But I order well. online; they turn up the next day, kind of thing. Uh, you, the cutoff is on Monday, and they get to you on the Wednesday. Okay, they get to me on the Wednesday, and then I've got a day to eat them, sort of thing. Could I? I could freeze them. You could freeze them, put them in the single layer and freeze them. That would be your choice, and that wouldn't be me. And if she finds out, she's going to kill you. I'll hunt you down fine. and well, educate you. Know what What's the most difficult thing in your job? Oh, balance, I suppose. Balance between what? Well, I'm pretty unbalanced anyway, but, you know, children, home, not working the whole time. I think it's that, that that's common with any entrepreneur. In fact, any, I think, mother who works. How old are your children? I have stepchildren in their 30s. I have 19-year-old, I have an 11-year-old. That's and my uh, husband lives abroad. What's he do? He used to work in the wine business. And he used to make champagne. No way. In England? Do you still see in your, your, no, champagne. your stepchildren a lot? 
One lives in Berlin and one has just moved back to England. Um, so the one who's just moved back to England, we see, obviously. And they're all girls, right? Yeah, we're a house full of girls, my boy. Always the best. And cats. What? I just think maybe, you know, there might be cats as well as girls, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, so you can stereotypical. Eat... Yeah, it's stereotypical, what, what, but it could cats? be dogs. Because women like cats, I mean. No, 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 what no, kind no, of no. women you know? No, 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 no. Not because like women cats? like cats. Dog, dogs, to me, are always male. And, and cats always seem female. It, it, Is it's that like, right? Yeah, I think there's some that? truth to that. I don't think because they'd be of able the way to carry on the line of dogs or cats. Because the way they act and stuff, you know, dogs are dirty and messy and, they just and whatever. Sort of and left leg and sort of dogs' bodies yeah, and that sort of yeah. thing. I'm not alone in this. And don't, has, make me don't, don't make me feel like I'm so crazy. crazy. They're called, you know, felines, feminine, the feminine feline, you know. it's like Are a, they? Yeah, I think so. I think okay. that cats are definitely quite feminine and dogs are quite, <laughs> quite male. If if I if you don't see this, that's okay. But, that's you know, right thing. Yeah, We're just yeah. trying to give that's you a hard time. Yeah, clearly. That's definitely a keeper. Oh, you know, I'm gonna... So, no, we don't have any cats. No dogs? Um, my eldest stepdaughter has a dog. Ah, good. Um, that, yeah, male uh, dog. <laughs> no, it's a female dog, actually. But I, I did say to my husband that I would buy him a man goldfish, male goldfish or something. How can you tell? How lenient. I have no idea. You, well, I suppose or crabs, just, I can tell. I, just buy a fish and tell him it's male. Male, exactly. Fine. So, yeah, he's drowning in pools of oestrogen. It's good for him. What would you say that your biggest problem going forward is? You know, that, there's a sort of painful bit of growth where you're in too deep to pull out. And last time, I think last time I saw you... You had one employee. Yes, I still have one. Yeah. Um, and I have a lot of people sort of freelancing, so a lot of stuff is outsourced. Yeah. Because you don't need them full-time. So you get, my, you've my... got to a stage where you can't do it all yourself. No, I haven't been able to for a long time. So I have one full-time employee at the moment. How often do you end up working at the moment now, being a mother and things? So, what you know, you, you kind of get up and you get work. And then you come home and you do a little bit of like, oh, hello, how's your day? Yes, tell me about so-and-so at school or whatever. And, you know, and then they go to bed and you go back to work and then you, you know. So you're working all the time, basically. But it's kind of hard to show. Well, I mean, that's unfair. Obviously, my 19-year-old's at uni and my youngest one has just started boarding school. Um, so I have these tranches of time where I don't have to be mummy. And then when they come home, it's kind of quite full on. Are you a bit of a workaholic? I don't know. I just like to get things done. But I also get quite distracted. I find myself, I mean, I find social media just terrifying because I just disappear down these rabbit holes. And I find Particularly at the moment, if, re- if you like politics. Well, exactly. You, you, you start with something. I don't know if you ever do this. You lie in bed sometimes and you think you're thinking something. And then you kind of think, how did I get here? And you backtrack how you got there. And it's the most extraordinarily sort of unconnected sort of you know, leaps that you've made in your head. It's the Wikipedia holes that I have a problem with. Like when you, you're thinking about, because life is so easy now, in the old days you'd have to go to a library and look shit up, right? Yeah. But now you can just go onto Wikipedia, you're watching some TV programme or something and you think, oh, I don't know anything about, you know, General Custer. And so you go on, you know, Netf- um, Wikipedia and look it up and then that takes you to another page and that takes you to another page and that oh. takes you to an, an hour and a half later, you're like, fuck, I should have been asleep an hour and a half. Ago. Absolutely. What's you most excited about in your business? What am I most excited about? Um, well, I think all sorts of things. I, I, I get excited when I just kind of have these like weird, wacky ideas. And they're really small ideas. They haven't big ideas. But, you know, so like I said, when I decided I was going to make this lifestyle brand and then I get excited about um, people making nice like drawings like. of vegetables. I mean, you're you're beautifully dressed. So you're you, you're quite creative. You actually quite like making stuff. This is an I love art. This stuff. is an art form to you, really. I love making stuff um, and 
fiddling stuff. I, I, just, I just read. No, I don't think so. Not particularly. I don't draw anything. I doodle. I mean, like, you know, stick man. You you, cooking's an art, right? Cooking's an art. I definitely. suppose cooking's an art. Depends who's doing it. <laughs> when she does it, it is, definitely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I get very excited about creative projects and I get excited about collaborations and I used to be very fearful of collaborations because I always think that, um, I don't know, I, I always thought maybe there was some sort of weakness that you were supposed to stand alone. But we've, we've done some collaborations. In fact, this whole thing came about through a collaboration. I mean, you know, we were given the most humongous opportunity by the most generous, lovely man imaginable, Stevie Pohl, who owns Pastayo and had joy. And he said, let's do something. And he he made it all happen, basically, because he was lovely and kind and generous. How did you discover that Taiwan's got this amazing soy sauce? Very random. So this is about, it's not even about manifesting, it's just like believing that stuff happens. So I was in Singapore, I was living and working there, and... Um, my eldest was at school in England and I was coming back to see her for a half time or something and had met another lady whose daughter was also at school in England and I called her up and I said, listen, I'm going to London. Is there anything you want me to bring to your daughter on the sort of, you know, boarding school express? And um, she said, well, actually, her contact lenses. And I said, that's fine. So we met in a cafe and she hands over the contact lenses and she said, what is it that you do that you travel so much to London? And I said, well, I'm trying to start a business and we're looking at, you know, sites and I'm trying to find investors and I'm back and forth. And, and, and she asked me about the business and I talked about, you know, the whole grand plan with the deli and the groceries. And, and she said, oh, are you looking for a soy sauce? I said, yes, I am. And she pulls a bottle of soy sauce out of her handbag, little one. And I said, do you always carry soy sauce around? And she said, no, but I've just had a new colleague join us and his wife is from Taiwan and her family makes soy sauce. And he came to our house for dinner the other evening and brought this as a gift. And it was so good, I asked him if I could, where he got it from, and I you know, got the backstory. And so I just bought some from him and I was just about to take this home, but yeah, you have it. Wow. And so I was introduced to his to, to, to um, her colleague and then got on a plane and went to Taiwan and went to see her family and visit the, the, the facility. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Ori Clark got its start back in 1935 and while the world has changed a bit it's more than just survived from complying with the FCA and all things financy they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK and now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935 Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Out of all of these... Um mad journeys you've been on what, what do you think is the best piece of advice you've been given best bit of advice you can change your mind Ooh, who said that to you i was given that advice very very young actually by um when i i did an internship my year out at another ad agency called mccann erickson and i made virtually no money and it's quite hard to live in tokyo with virtually no money i mean everything's expensive and the pound exchange rate was you know dreadful and I was taken under the wing of two very lovely sort of avuncular figures. 
And I think took pity on me and said, God, you're going to make sure that she's watered and fed every so often, don't we? And one of them said to me, you know, Ames, I'm in my 50s and I don't really know what to do with my life. So how the hell are you at the tender age of 19, you know, having not done very much, even though I'm sure you think you have, meant to know what you're supposed to do with the rest of your life? Because the only thing I'll tell you is you can change your mind. I think I took that advice a bit too much to heart because I've quit the next day. Changed my mind a lot, as a you can see. A few old times, yeah. Um, but I don't think of it as changed my mind. It's just, you know, doing the next thing that comes along that I think might be fun. I think we don't have enough fun. I agree. A man who doesn't change his mind never changes anything, isn't there? Churchill one. Um, I think uh, doing different things is the variety of life. And if you've got the, and I mean this with respect, the privilege or the opportunity to do different things and go different places, you're fucking crazy not to, you know. But you can, right? You What's can. stopping you otherwise? You don't have to be connected to anything else. But the other thing I would say is um, yeah. talk to everyone. You talk to everyone. You talk to everyone. Meaning, specifically meaning all, all, all sort of levels of society as you walk along? Just or do you everyone. Just like talking? People always... You just never know. They're the weirdest connections. Um, that might be from the restaurant when you were young. There were always people coming and going. You ended up having to talk to them, maybe. Yeah, you just talk to everybody. I mean, I, I know when I go. And yeah. I talk to the lady at the checkout. You know, and I just I just talk to everyone because you never know what comes about. I'm always talking to cabbies. I love talking to cabbies. I like that. I, I like the fact that, uh, yeah, you've continued to change change, change thing. And I, I also agree that the person at 50 is like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I, I always think one of the best things is just do stuff and you'll work out what you don't want to do. That's for sure. You yeah. know, you'll quickly work out so. like, I mean, my first job was working on a farm, you know, with Eastern Europeans. And it was like, this is fucking hard. Like I'd work my but ass off. Satisfying, and they'd have No, because I'd be like with my headphones on thinking it was going great. And oh, I've done 80 spring onion bun- bunches this morning or something. And I'd look over at probably Ukrainians and things. And they had like 400 they'd done. And you were paid per like bunch, bunch. or whatever. And then you'd get the pair. And they, oh, it was just agony at that early in the morning. I did swap Walkmans one day. At the time, I was listening to Acid Techno a lot because I was like 16. And I was just fucking like, doodly doodly like Acid Techno. This is good, this is good for work. And I swapped Walkmans with one of these poor Eastern Europeans in the morning for a bit of fun. <laughs> and his was like, you know, folk music, like da-ling, da-ling. <laughs> and I'd look across the field and just see this man in pain, just like with his fucking tunes. And then he was like, at lunchtime, like, can I can I get <laughs> shaking visibly? Shaking, shaking visibly. Uh, here's a question, and I, I don't know your your thoughts on it. Higher tax or more philanthropy? I don't know anybody who's going to argue for higher tax. Is there? Well, except in for, some ways, uh, except it... for perhaps better because you've just told me that she's a socialist. Well, it depends on who's looking after the tax. So it depends very much on who's in government, doesn't it? I mean, so I lived in Singapore quite a long time, and everyone talks about you know democracy. In, in Singapore, do they? Well, Singapore, Asia, whatever. And, you know, Lee Kuan Yew's thing is always, you know, is democracy really such a good thing, right? Because it's technically it's a held, military dictatorship. It's held up as some kind of idle world. Bastion, like yeah. freedom is. Freedom! And, and but then, you know, democracy gives you Trump, so... Yeah, but isn't it the whole thing about it's the best of a bad lot? It gives you short-termism. I mean, it's difficult because you look at all the people that are voting and think, yeah, most of them are freaking idiots. Western this gaze, is a disaster. I think, on some of these philosophical sort of concepts, and they are, you know, slightly academic in in in, in their nature. I mean, my, my daughter and I always say that, darling, you have to be very careful you say that to you, but she got very cross when, so, you know, she was allowed to vote a year ago. And she said, you know, I think people need to have an IQ test before they're allowed to vote. 
Yeah, well, there's arguments I, there. I know where you're going with that, but you have to be very careful. You know, you say that too. But I don't think IQ test is probably the best best solution. I mean, I have a theory that now it's so fucking digital voting, we could vote every week and you could have a kind of X factor thing that, you know, once you've got 75% of the population, you think someone's shit. Because you need long, the, the thing, I, I think there's many problems, but one is this short termism, this all oh, the electric, you know, and, and what's so frustrating in the moment, that's part of the honesty thing is we don't, I think this guy said it very well this week. We know we haven't got a fucking plan. You know, China's got a plan. Everyone's got a plan. We're not we like- We don't have a plan. Right, in 30 years, fuck four years. We know no, we can't do anything in four years. Let's talk 30 years, 50 years. Where where are we trying to get to? What do we want this country to look like? Fine. And let's, you know, like Japan or China, with the, let's build the industry to get there. And the problem with this democracy now, we're just in these loops of short circles. And so, I mean, my kind of X factor theory is like, you vote someone in and you don't kick them out until you've got enough people saying, cut them the fuck out. You know? But even then they don't go... Well, the, here's the real problem. At that moment might be the dark before the dawn because oh, cha- changing the world... No, but changing society is maybe, never easy. Maybe we should to, have more, more revolutions. Let's have people marching on Belgravia. Is that what but we the want? No, no revolutions. That is people get killed. Revolutions are shit for parties, I think. You know, there must be. Yeah, lots of people get murdered. But do you believe that... A great party, just its happiness. I don't think. I think a good leader is a is a good leader, and it's going to be fucking agony at times. You know, it's going to be like to get here in twenty years, we're going to have to fucking do this to the economy, and you're going to be really fucking poor because that's what you do as a business. We do that as a business right now. We sit as partners and say, I think we should invest all of this money. But in this. we it's had a to- historic thing, right, in this country for sure, and in other countries as well, where politicians were. We're getting back to politics, but politicians were honourable people and there was a whole culture of service. You were providing a service to your fellow man by being in government and helping to make a country successful and make a country run. And somewhere along the line, we've totally lost that to the point where we have a load of people, I'm not saying it's all politicians, but a lot of politicians, who are totally self-serving, that are just in it for what they can make out of it. And of course, you're not going to have a country that's run very well if that's the case, because they're not thinking about what's best for the population. They're thinking about what's best for me and how can I get the most out of this? I mean, this leads me to a rather key question. How how would you fix capitalism? You know, if we could change one thing you think it would make it slightly better... Again, this is it's an, sort of an academic question. It's not a binary question. It's not something you can answer very easily. It's like, how do you fix capitalism? How, well, how do you fix human nature? You know, if you have a sort of basic tenets in life, it's like, don't be a dick. So you can be a capitalist. And if you're, if you're a capitalist who isn't a dick, then you look after things, right? So you can make money and you can still look after the people who've made the money for you and you can still think long term like, okay, I'm going to make money without, you know, decimating the earth and I can make money without raping, pillaging and child labour and all the rest of it. I mean, child labour is an interesting one. It's a different, again, white gaze thing. But anyway, so how do you fix capitalism? Does it need fixing? Does it need fixing? It's multifaceted, of course, and it depends on which sort of side you're sitting on, right? What's the West? The Western gaze is what the an e- e- Asian expression for how the West or or it's a so general. Obviously, I was born here, grew up here, was educated here. Yeah, you, so, you are you are completely Western, other than yeah. your heritage. Other than my heritage, and I remember having an argument with my father when I was being a bit of a sort of an idealistic sort of sixteen year old or something, thinking I knew better, and I. You know, marched into the kitchen. I said, I'm never going to buy anything from this company again because they use child labor and I will boycott any company that uses child labor. And my father looked at me and said, So you are a poor farmer in China and yeah. you've lost a leg and you can't work. 
and your wife is very ill and you have four children and the eldest is nine and the other three are aged between five and two. You are the only means by which your family will ever eat. Yeah, welcome welcome to the real world. And it was very much how dare you impose your sort of, you know, yeah. very privileged upbringing and, and the ideals that come But that's that. always the question for me because it's the same thing about, oh, no, you've got to, you know, it's like, what, 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 what's their other options? Like, don't treat anyone like shit. But, you know, is, is, is when someone's saying, oh, you mustn't do that slave labor. I mean, Britain was a place of slave labor at the time of the Industrial Revolution. And that, that's kind of what it was. Slave's the wrong word. Yeah, but um, the, the, uh, it wasn't a good thing. No, it's not a good thing. But the point you're posing or the argument you're posing is, yeah, don't be so presumptuous to assume what is available. Maybe if it's more expensive, there's nothing available. Do you know what I mean? Maybe if you're going to pay more, it won't even be there sort of thing. But I'm not, you know, any of these things, you just get into trouble saying, oh, I hate you say that. But, you know, I'm not promoting I mean, the thing. I, I think the, the point you're making... The arguments for and against capitalism are very sort of, you know, established already, right? Yeah. There's inequality and learn, then there's lack of motivation the other way around. And, you know, the state takes over and then nobody has any sort of innovation and all the rest of it. But I just think, you know, how do you fix anything really is just like, don't be a dick. So, you know, build your empire and hire a lot of people, but like pay them properly so don't be a dick. Make lots of money, you'll still make lots of money. But, you know, how much money do you actually need? So this money has always been quite fascinating for me, I think, you know, like why do you want a lot of money? I think personally, and this is you know, freedom, right? Yeah. But if you make too much money and you're on everybody's you're radar, you, you're not free. So yeah. at what point is that sort of like enough? Yeah, it's tricky. The trouble with the don't be a dick is people unfortunately are dicks and probably their parents or someone was a dick to them and they come from a shit life. Or, yeah, but not know. everybody who had terrible parents turns into a dick. There is no, a bit of... Always and I think be at dicks, some point, you know, I, I so. do believe at some point you have to stop blaming your parents for everything, right? You take some bit of responsibility for... Well, 100%, they probably don't even blame their parents. My point is you're always going to have dicks. Well, you are. So let's just hope that the non-dicks outnumber the dicks and then, you know, you might be able to sort of teach them. If you've them. just tuned into this Poor podcast. Philip Larkin has a lot to answer for <laughs> yeah. there. But I was just going to say when I, a few years ago when I was toying with setting up my own law firm, the thing that kept me awake at night and I spent most time trying to work out was a nice Latin phrase for the words no dicks. <laughs> which was what I was going to use you get my there? law firm. I got there in the end. I can't remember what it was now. There's a... No dickest. You, you, you should have a crest. I mean, honestly. Yeah, I know. Top three pods reads... Hot threes at the moment. So, of course, like everybody, I mean, everybody's Diary of a CEO, right? Diary of a CEO, which I've just recently listened to. It's the number one uh, business podcast oh, by this strange really do business man, podcasts. to be honest. But, it, it, but it, things, I don't really listen to any of that business stuff. It sort of annoys me a bit, really. It's yeah. very intimate. I found it which incredibly intimate. Which is amusing, given that you're doing a business podcast for Is that what I'm doing? Is that yeah. what this is? Kind of. Well, I it's got it's like bit, a bit of a chatty-chatty it, thing, you know? Um, anyway, so that, and then I'm reading right now Crying in H Mart. Crying in H Mart sounds like crying in K Mart. No, so so completely. So, so basically, her mother passed away. She talks about so H Mart is um, a Korean supermarket chain in the states. She oh, it really about, is. Yeah. So she. All oh, right. It really is cries. crying in K Mart. That's where she cries because of the association. They literally food. stole the idea and t- chose the next letter. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it stands for. Um, and she's Korean, and, and she talks about I know food being the language of connection, well, you know, the, the, yeah. the language between them and when her mother dies and she misses certain things and she goes to h one. that's when she's sort of, you know, I mean, I, I'm halfway through it, so I'm not. I think we've all burst into tears in the supermarket at some point. And number three, food. Give us a favourite food. My favourite food? Yeah. Oh, God, you can't have a favourite food. It's like I'm a favourite child. Well, you can have a favourite food. Okay, yeah. You can have a favourite food. Okay. Favourite okay. cuisine? Basically, if I go into a restaurant and I see either aubergine, 
Yeah. Bone marrow. Yeah. Crab. Yeah. Do they go together? Not really. On the menu, I will probably order whatever has bone marrow, aubergine, crab in it. Okay, so uh, that brings us to the favourite part of the show, the business versus bullshit quick fire round. Okay. Amy, are you ready? I am ready. This is where we're going to say something. So I get points. You, you do get points. It's out of 1,377. We are going to say something. All you have to do is tell us whether you think it is business or bullshit. Are we clear? Okay. Uh, diversity quotas. Bullshit. Stand up meetings. Bullshit. This is going to be good. Caffeine. Business. <laughs> Meeting agendas. Mm, somewhere in between. Is shit. Shit biz. Shit biz. Uh, hour-long meetings. Bullshit. Um, office dogs. Hmm. Mm. Mm. It's like, is that a real question? Yeah, that's yes. a real question. And bullshit. you're free to say bullshit. It's, it's yeah. bullshit. Especially in the kitchen, I guess, is it? You know, end up in the pot. When we say office dog, you mean people bringing their dogs to the office or the yes. office having a dog? People, people bringing, bringing their bringing dogs to the office. You can't strictly have a dog owned by an office. Why do you think that? I have been asked that. Um, my uh, no, company client dog. wanted to do he that. He brings his dog to the office a lot. Yeah. That's why it, 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 well, it, it I think makes if you have... people very happy in Slough. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Yeah. Have to say. Well, I, I think business is all bullshit. Okay, so, so if people are real about it, I suppose actually it's bullshit. Okay. Shit is. Uh, swearing in meetings. There's a theory that if you swear, you're more honest. That's what it is. And that's why we can't fucking get honest politicians. You that's know? why right. I swear. They can't swear on the radio. I, I think. I, th- I think. I think swearing in is it meetings? You say yeah. I think yeah. that's kosher. I think that's business. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, pub lunches. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. It's interesting. It's not as popular as uh, once was. B Corp. You ever heard of a B Corp? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think it's <laughs> virtual city. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, uh, and, and a bit of lip service and a bit of... You're going to have to, I'm going to have to push you on it. You're going to oh have to say the word. Oh, God, I didn't want to offend all those B Corps that they have to work so hard and they so proudly proclaim that they're B Corps and it's the first thing on their website. But yeah, bullshit, sorry. Yeah. Uh, non-disclosure agreements. I mean, if I said they were bullshit, then I wouldn't be here, right? And you wouldn't be my lawyer and we wouldn't I mean, be I don't know that I've ever made you... No. ...told you you should get an NDA signed, have I? No, 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 I think so. Um... Do they even work though? I don't know. I think they're kind of bullshit. Correct. Well done. You're now at 1,000 points. Unlimited holidays. <laughs> um. LinkedIn. I obviously have it. I don't ever use it. When I was in that line of business where I had to meet a lot of people and I was recruiting, then it was kind of handy. But I kind of think well, that is bullshit too. Doing well. I think that's You're scoring very highly. I think it's just the bullshit meter is quite strong with yeah. this one. Yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of like you know, an strong. excuse for it's like growing up Instagram. Like yeah. faux, yeah. it's like faux professional Instagram. Uh, formal work clothes. The bullshit. All right, and the big one, brace yourself for it. Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Fair, fair. <sighs> uh, uh, excellent. There you have it. That's the end of the quick far round. You've got 1,211 points, which is very high score. One of the highest scores. Don't just make it up. That's bullshit. Bullshit. Well, if you divide it, you'll find out that it adds up perfectly. 
Okay, so this is where we give you 30 seconds to pitch your company. Book whatever you want to pitch. Off you go. www.poonslondon.com Have a look at my website. Buy my stuff. So um, we make delicious sauces, which you won't be able to find anywhere else. We make a superior soy sauce, which is the soy sauce equivalent of single estate, cold-pressed, extra virgin olive oil. So that makes it easy for you to understand. We have a great backstory. Um, I have lots of stories. So you know what? Get in touch on my website because I've got lots of stories to tell. But basically, Poons is a food business with a huge heritage. And um, I'm looking forward to taking it further to its next step. So there you have it. That was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. We'll be back with BWB Extra on Thursday. Until then, it's ciao.